0: Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 17. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus has given the Beatitudes in the early part of the chapter, and he begins to move forward with some things, showing the spirituality of the law, not the letter of the law. And the Jews were trying to live by the letter, but not the spirit of the law. So in verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Though different than the Jewish leaders, Jesus' teaching revealed the truth of the law in God's word instead of the oddities that the Jewish people, uh, leaders, were, were into. Um, you know, it, it, I, I'm trying to remember, there was one little thing, if, oh, if a mama or a husband or a wife had left some kind of needle stuck in their shirt, and uh, they put it on on the Sabbath day, and they pulled that out, they'd committed a sin because they pulled the pen out that had been left in the cloth. Just silly stuff. That's what the Jews were, were into. Uh, All the externals, nothing to do with their heart. And Jesus always taught in the heart and about the heart. But I want you to notice what he said there in verse number 18. Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Do you know how small a jot is do you know how small a tittle is well i want to try to explain take your your bible go back to the book of psalms and go to psalm 119 psalm 119 everybody there I hope it's broken down in eight-verse sections. And above each eight-verse section, you should see a Hebrew character and a word. So above verse 1, you have a kind of a little funny-looking character, and it says Aleph under, or, uh, under verse 8 and above verse 9. You have Bath. It's B-E-T-H, but it's pronounced Bath. Everybody got that? Or if you don't have it, look on somebody else's Bible. Not every Bible puts that in there Uh, i've got an oxford and it's in this one and it was in the other one i looked at today verse 25 is where i want you to go to my soul cleaveth under the dust quicken thou me according to thy word up above that you see the hebrew word daleth d-a-l-e-t-h and next to that you should see what looks like almost a seven just a little line and then down it's got a little turn on it and then straight down how many of y'all see that? All right. Now, go to verse 153. Verse 153. And above that you should see what looks like what you just looked like at verse 25. But if you will look real close... Above verse 25, on the line across, it looks like a bump. Just a bump past the vertical piece. Do you see that? You have the horizontal piece, got a little squiggle, comes down. Got just a bump sticking past where the vertical goes up and down. Now back at verse 153, you don't have the bump. That's a tittle. That's a tittle. Now, a, a jot. What are we going to do with that? Look at verse 73. And you see jod or yod above that. And it's just a little small looking, almost like an apostrophe. This is the smallest of all the 22 Hebrew characters. So what the Lord has said to us is, in matthew 5 the smallest hebrew character will not be removed and if that's not enough for you the bump that makes the difference between resh and daleth it it won't be moved either that's getting pretty particular our bible is trustworthy we can hang our souls upon thus saith the lord nothing's going to change it can't be changed we're we're going to talk about some things here Uh, when he's saying i didn't come to destroy but to fulfill uh, the law is divided into three sections Uh, i remember debating an atheist one time and he said i'd never heard that that it's in three sections i said well yeah i don't know what you've been studying or reading but there's the civil law in the old testament about landmarks and all those types of things land and how you treat somebody if your ox pushes their ox, all those kinds, of, or your ox pushes and kills their their servant; those are those are civil things, and so you they're settled in the Word of God. Then you have the the ceremonial law or the ritual law, where you have the offerings. You offer this type of a bird or this type of an animal, or you uh, put flat, fine flour mingled with with frankincense and oil on it and different things as you read through that's the ceremonial law or the ritual law and all of those offerings every one of them somehow another points to the Lord Jesus Christ so he said I didn't come to destroy the civil law that makes Israel unique from the rest of the world I did not come to destroy the the ritual ceremonial law but to fulfill that law that every type and picture that you see in the Old Testament, every single offering, somehow or another reflects and points to Jesus Christ. And then there's the third section of the law, and that's the moral part of the law. The moral precepts. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Those are moral laws. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So on down the line. So all those things are laid out in, in the Word of God. And he said, I didn't come to change that. I came to fulfill it. And he did fulfill every last one of those. He satisfied the ritual all by his death on Calvary's cross. Jesus wasn't murdered. I know John MacArthur, I like reading his issue books, and he wrote one, The Murder of Jesus he wasn't literally saying Jesus was murdered in the sense of being surprised and killed. But he's talking about he was illegally killed. But I would never name the book The Murder of Jesus, just to be honest with you. But uh, uh, Jesus gave his life. It was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would die in your place. It's what the Bible teaches. It's not something I conjured up. Uh, Read it, and you can find it in Ephesians chapter 1. You can find it in Revelation chapter 5. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. All offerings point to him. Look in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. By the way, next Wednesday night, Pastor Barrett will be down here with the teenagers Pastor Taylor's going to be in uh, Pounding Mill, Virginia, preaching at Camp Evangel, and I'm going to be over in Atlanta, Georgia, preaching in a conference. Hebrews 10 and verse number 1. For the law, having a what shadow of good things, didn't have the substance, had the shadow uh, to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then, if it made them perfect, would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now flip over to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, watch this verse, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Go to verse 2 of chapter 10, middle part of the verse, because it the worshipers once purged. Should have had no more conscience of sins. Old Testament law brought all that back up. In Christ we rest. Jesus doesn't remind us of our sin. When you sin and, and we do repetitively, every last one of us, and we go to God and we we bow our heads and our hearts before him and we pray and we we repent and we say, God, I'm so sorry I did it again. He, God does not bring back up what he's already forgiven us of. That's not forgiveness forgiveness is choosing not to remember an offense against the person who offended you ever again we struggle with that what does the bible say god's put our sins in the depth of the sea god's put our sins as far as the east is from the west god has no trouble choosing not to remember our sins against us that's forgiveness forgiveness When you and I struggle with looking at our our past or maybe our recent past, we've been struggling with our flesh, that's just the devil and our flesh trying to weaken us and pull us away from God. Forgiveness from God is always complete and 100%. You don't get a coupon for 50% off grace. We only get 100%. Christ satisfied the ritual law. Christ satisfied the moral laws. How? By obeying uh, the law as a surety for his people. When you go through the Gospels, you find Jesus Christ following exactly what the the law said to do. Uh, He he did the right things, he established uh, the law, excuse me, in its fullest honor and authority. Let me read a little bit to you about those jots and tittles. You ready? Uh, This is by a rabbi, and he said, uh, you know, ancient. Should any person in the the words of Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is... And then it gives this Hebrew word, D-X-A-A-C-H-A-D. I can't pronounce that. One Lord, if he changed the D in Daleth... Into an R resh, like we looked at. Remember the little bump, just the bump. He would ruin the world. Why? Because in that case, the word would signify a strange or false God. So, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Would be if just that bump were different. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is a strange God. Well, that's a big difference, isn't it? Should anyone in the words of Exodus 34, 14, Thou shalt worship no other God, change Resh into Daleth, the other direction, he would ruin the world. Because the command would then run, Thou shalt not worship the only true God. Those jots and tittles are pretty important. Should anyone in the words of Leviticus 22, 32, Neither shall ye profane my holy name, change the letter X into H, and that's chath into he, he would ruin the world. Why? Because the sense of the commandment would then be neither shall ye praise my holy name. Just that little bump. Should anyone in the words of Psalm 150 verse 6, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord change H into X, he would ruin the world. Because the The command would then run, let everything that hath breath profane the Lord. Should anyone, in the words of Jeremiah 5.10, they lied against the Lord, change bath into calf, and that's a a B into a K, he would ruin the world. For then the words would run, they lied like God. Should anyone in the words of Hosea, chapter 5, verse 7, they've dealt treacherously against the Lord, change bath into calf, that's the other direction, he would ruin the world, for then the words would run, they have dealt treacherously like the Lord. Should anyone in the words of 1 Samuel 2, 2 there is a none holy as the Lord, change calf into bath, he would ruin the world. For then the words would mean there is no holiness in the Lord. But what did Jesus say? Won't be one jot and one tittle. Be removed. It's amazing, isn't it? The minutia, or maybe not that word, the, the minute changes that we're talking about would, could be very simple for a human to make. And yet, God said, My words, my words, Isaiah 59, verse 21, are not going anywhere. They won't, they're not going to pass away. They're not going to be erased. And Jesus said, Won't be one jot or one tittle till everything's fulfilled. What a Word of God we have. What a Bible. What a treasure we have. Holy Bible, book, divine, precious treasure. Thou art mine. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not to destroy it. Uh, Look in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Verse number 1. Now, when they'd passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. What scriptures did he use? Didn't use the Gospel of Matthew. Didn't use the book of Romans or Hebrews. He used the Old Testament. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Hallelujah. Paul argued from the Old Testament that Christ was the fulfillment of every type and picture. Genesis twenty-two is is the easiest one. You got Abraham who is told by God to offer his son on a mountain, which I'll I'll tell thee of. And so he and two men go, two young men, Isaac and, and Abraham. They go and they and they get to the bottom of the mountain, and Abraham says to the two young men, You wait here, I and the lad will go yonder and worship God and come again. He was saying. We're gone and we're coming back. But on the way up the mountain, Isaac says, Father, here's the, the fire and here's the wood, but where's the lamb? In Genesis 22, verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Not for himself, but God will provide himself. And that's exactly what happened. He, they get up there, they make the altar, uh, get ready to, to burn the sacrifice, and he binds Isaac. No fighting between them. The Bible keeps saying they went both of them together. They went both of them together. And he laid him on, that, on the, that wood that he was ready to set on fire, and he raised the knife to plunge it into his chest, and God called to him. And Abraham looks up, and there's a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. I don't have time to go through all of that, but the horns are, are, are a picture of strength. Sins of, uh, the thorns are a picture of sin, and the strength of God tackled the sins of man in one. And so the, the ram was offered instead of Isaac. What a picture that is of Christ dying on our place on Calvary's cross. And when they came back down, the two men are like those two sinners. The one on the right hand, one on the left hand side. One went to heaven, the other one didn't. But what a picture that is. The, the fire, the judgment of God, the wood, the sin of man. There's a lot that could be developed out of that. Every type, every shadow like that is about Jesus and they're scattered all through the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 9, Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Remember what he was talking about there in context. He's talking about, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw Jesus transfigured. But what's better than that is to have the Word of God. You remember Thomas, who said, I won't believe till I put my fingers in his hands and thrust my hand into his side and He went eight days with the disciples rejoicing because Jesus was alive. He went eight days wondering. And then Jesus appeared and said, put your fingers into my hand, thrust your hand to my side, be not faithless but believing. And he fell to his face and he said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said, you're blessed because you've seen and you've believed. More blessed are they that believe without having seen. That's us. You cannot separate the Lord Jesus Christ from the background and the context of the Old Testament Scriptures. He bleeds on every page and He breathes on every book. Let me give you these things quickly. Time's going to get away. Let me help you a little something with the Bible tonight. When we look at the Bible, we want to view the whole of the Bible. If you start off trying to defend small details. You may get confused and wrapped up in things. Just grab the whole Bible and start that way. A, a battle may decide a war. Gettysburg decided uh, the Civil War. But what happened? They still had have a lot more skirmishes afterwards to finish everything up. And so a battle may put one nation above another. But because there are still some things yet to be conquered, there's little skirmishes here and there. And that's the way it is with us. We're conquered by Christ and by the gospel. And yet there are things out there we don't understand, little places here and places there in the Bible that God has to explain to us. But I picked this entire Bible up not knowing everything that's in it. And hold it to my breast and say, I believe this book to be the word of God. And I cast my soul and my life upon the the truths of this book, upon the Lord Jesus Christ presented to me in this book. So I grabbed the whole Bible. We have to accept the Bible by faith and not by human arguments. If somebody argues you into believing the Bible, somebody can argue you out of it. But if you're convinced by the Spirit of God, you'll stick with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. And the Bible says, "...the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man." We accept the Word of God by faith. I believe the Bible's true, not because Dr. Seitler preached it, but I've experienced its truths in my own life. This is God's Word. We want to accept it by faith. I don't have to have a proof. They don't have to find Noah's Ark for me. They don't have to find Pontius Pilate someplace. Or you know even all the scrolls and different things they found they I'm glad they found them, but my faith doesn't rest on them. It rests on the word of God. I believe what this Bible says. I believe this to be the word of God. Thirdly, the Bible is to be declared more than it is to be defended. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that came up with this illustration. He said, if there's a lion in a cage and somebody's attacking him and bothering him and probing him, him, sticking him and poking him and all that kind of stuff, he said, you don't have to defend that lion. Just open the door and let him defend himself. Open up the door and let her out. The Bible will defend itself more than we'll ever be able to defend it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't meet unbelievers in the realm of ideas and shouldn't write books and stuff. But that's not our ministry. Our ministry is to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. I was invited to debate a certain religious group here in town. They didn't like some articles I'd written in the newspaper about the second coming of Christ. And uh, I talked to them for a little bit and I said, they said, you, we'll meet in your church. Or, you know." And I, I said, no, I don't want your doctrine spoken in my church. I said, we do not agree. And I said, I will make more enemies than I'll ever make friends doing this. And I said, you just go on and do what you're going to do. And I'm going to be down here and do what I'm going to do. And I said, we'll just have to let God sort it out. I I didn't want to get involved in a situation like that. But the, the Word of God will defend itself. Number four, the whole Bible is the Word of God. There's no place in the Bible less inspired than any other. You say, well, we read those genealogies. They can't be. Yeah, they're important. They trace the lineage of Christ through those things. They're critically important. As as Gentiles, they're not important to us. But when I read the Bible, they're just as inspired as John 3, 16. Or when I read the book of Psalms, those remember I told you about the superscriptions up there where it talks about a psalm of David uh, upon uh, Meganoth or something like that, that's part of the inspired Word of God. That's not just something that's added. The theme of God as Creator is so woven through the Old Testament and the New Testament that removing God as Creator would destroy the entire Bible. It's in the The Ten Commandments, the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. I'll read these off to you quickly. Verse number eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy excuse me, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that in them is and rested on the seventh. Well, Psalm 148. I just kind of skimmed through a few places. I mean, I picked these up quick this afternoon as I was writing, scratching my notes out. Psalm 148. Psalm 148 and verse number 4. And the Bible says, praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the deep, ye dragons, and all the deep uh, uh, fire and hail and snow, and all these things. You're talking about God creating it. The book of Acts, chapter number 4. Here's a pattern you're going to find all through the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 4. Verse number 23. When the New Testament saints were praying. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord they're praying and said lord thou art god which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is well we're not done second peter second peter chapter number 3 verse 3 Knowing this first, that there shall come the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. They just choose not to believe. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water, they refuse to believe that God judged the ancient earth. Whereby the water, the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. See, God created it, God judged it, and God's going to judge it again according to the Scriptures.